are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Ready? Go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. <laughs> Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. And good morning to you. Welcome to Right On Radio, our Sunday Bible study. Listen, I want to thank you for being here, and I pray the Lord's name is going to be blessed, and you are going to be blessed for being here as well and having fellowship amongst other believers and even the non-believers that we pray that uh, will come to the study to hear the word of God and have their lives forever changed. So normally I play the show for right at the beginning of this and, uh, and it does something because it clears the air. It does spiritual warfare, but there's something else in my heart today that I'm going to play just before we get started. Um, and right before I do that, I just want to make a couple quick announcements to you. Uh, the first one is I want to thank Eric for doing the Saturday night sermon last night. Uh, what practical teaching, and it's based on Paul's ministry, and as we're going through this now, uh, we're seeing how brilliant Paul was. And the teaching last night, if you missed it, was so practical, uh, and it's about your liberty and how we tell to measure that against someone else's liberties. And uh, I just thought it was a really practical life lesson that uh, everyone should go back. If you have not heard it yet, uh, please do go back and hear it. And, you know, our, uh, our ministry videos don't get as many views as our Intel videos. And we understand that because we have, you know, uh, a greater number of people are into Intel and the, you know, a certain part of our, of our audience are born again, Christians and really thirsty for the ministry side. And, you know, it dawned on me that obviously you know, the Intel videos get the most, but if you really want the most up-to-date Intel, it's in the most surprising spot that you would have never thought about. You want to know what's next in the world? You want to know what's about to happen? Go to our singing poor prayer celebration. Because I'm telling you, the things that they are praying is what's then manifesting in the world. You want to know what the future is? <laughs> Join singing poor. And we had a great turnout last night. And the, yeah, the singers were on fire. Oh, my goodness. And it's the old-time hymns that are just my favorite Uh ministry song. So that was a really a beautiful thing. Uh, and just the last announcement, and I do have a very special guest who I'm going to introduce in a moment. Uh, but one of the last things I want to mention to you is if, if you've been following the teaching I've been putting out called New Goggles, and uh, I believe it's the third one, you know, deprogramming from Pharaoh and how to do that. And one of the things I mentioned in that is sabbatical. And I actually believe the things that I'm teaching you. And so having said that, uh, I will do a show on Tuesday and I will do a show on Wednesday, but then I am actually going to go on a sabbatical. I'm going to go by myself. Uh, my wife might come to join for a couple of days, but uh, I'm going to take off and just really spend time alone and uh, time to hear the Lord's voice. So uh, if the, there, there may be a Sunday show next Sunday, if I can find time to pre-record one for next Sunday. Uh, but if there is not, uh, please have grace and, uh, come back the following Sunday. So, all right, we're going to get into the study, but I'm going to play a video first. And what I want you to do for though, and I know some of you are just listening on Podbean and, and it'll be much tougher for you. Uh, however, for those of you who are joining us live, I want you to uh, put in the chat who the singer is. Let's see if you can guess this. Now, this is a parody of a song, but it's done really well, and it's a song uh, to our father. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. And uh, please do 
uh, put in the chat. Uh, this, this should be a familiar name to you, uh, most certainly. So um, put down in the chat if you can figure out who this is. And just give me one second here. I'm going to line it up. And enjoy this. just become a Sunday morning tradition. <laughs> that was so well done. And yes, many of you guessed it. It was the same guy that you see on the Saturday night sermons. He looks a little bit different now, but still just as good looking. Welcome to Sunday morning right on radio. Eric, making your debut. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the offer. Well, and it was a last minute thing, so no pressure, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, 
So just real briefly, uh, people didn't know you were such a rock star. Did you hear the applause and the wind up for this man to come out and sing this man they would have called Jesus in this rock opera? Yeah, it was it was fun. I was I think I was 19 and our church put that on and um, it was a once a year thing. And this year I was Jesus and um, it was an honor to try to play the role and 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 sing the songs and um it's something i haven't shared with you before so <clears throat> a year or two later i did a another play at that church and i was salty the singing songbook and if anybody knows who that was and one night i was in the lobby and as, as the children were filtering in with their with their parents and one kid grabs his mom and tucks her on the arm. He says, mom, mom, there's Jesus. And he's wearing a salty costume. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, that's pressure. <laughs> well, it's it's amazing that they saw the Jesus in you and not just the character. Yeah. Give him the credit All for that. Right. So let's get into the scriptures and... Uh, why don't you start off with the reading of today's word? Okay. So this is Acts chapter 18, starting with verse 1. After these things, he, Paul, left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, who was the emperor, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. For now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or a vicious crime, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your own law, look after it yourselves. I am unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Galileo was not concerned about any of these things. Now Paul, when he had remained many days longer, took leave of the brothers and sisters and sailed away to Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. Paul first had his hair cut at Centuria, for he was keeping a vow. They came to Ephesus, and he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but took leave of them and said, I will return to you again if God wills. And he set sail for Ephesus. When he had landed in Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. And after spending some time there, he left and passed successfully through the Galatian region of Phrygia, and strengthening all the disciples. 
Now, a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was proficient in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he was accurately speaking and teaching these things about Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John, and he began speaking boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately to him. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. <coughs> Amen. Amen. He was the so Christ. We, and still is, by the way. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so th this is so interesting to me as, uh, you know, just in all these places. And if you look up some of the, uh, the history of these pl places like Corinthians and, uh, and you read, and by the way, it's highly suggested that you go and read Corinthians after this uh, and then even Romans, you know, as we go forward, but Corinthians was a, a major trade port and it, you know, it was a big, big city, but it was also really known as a, uh, a cesspool of sin. Let's say there was a, uh, there was huge prostitution and things like that happening in this town. Yes, absolutely. See, Paul, Paul was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles and Peter or Cephas was the apostle to the Jews. I think Peter had an easier job because much of the Jewish nation was at least tempting to live under the law of God. And Paul bit off you know, Paul was sent to the Gentiles when there was all sources, anything goes everywhere. So, yeah, it really was. And and this is the first time when we get uh, mention of Aquila and Priscilla, who really became lifelong friends of Paul. And yes. it shows that they were tent makers by trade. And I just really want to make a point of this, you know, you might think Paul, the great apostle, you know, he's, uh, he's got this great ministry and God's just providing everything for him. But, you know, as Paul who says, you know, if a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. And, uh, so he had been, he, he had always had this trade because he was a rabbi and just like a, a pastor today, uh, sometimes when you're starting out, you can't just, I'm going to be a pastor and have a church and I'm going to get paid. Uh, it doesn't work that way. You know, sometimes you have to work your way up and uh, then eventually God says, okay, well now you can go full time. And that does happen to Paul later on. And as he gets a huge gift, but they were tent makers. Yeah. And it's neat here because you can see the hand of God orchestrating things because Claudius who wasn't necessarily friendly to Christians and Jews, he made a command to kick all the Jews, the Jews out of Rome. So uh, Aquila and Priscilla had to leave, and they just happened to be in Corinth when Paul got there. And, and they both happened to be tent makers, and, it, and it's, that allowed it to be a lifelong friendship. And they are mentioned in otherwhere in Paul's writings of having a key role in his uh, planting of other churches and growing those churches when he moved on to plant another one. And yeah, you're absolutely right. So Paul Paul went here to plant a church, and he and he, but he had to start out making a living somehow. So he did what he knew how to do, and then uh, on 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 Sabbath he would go and preach in the synagogues. That's right. So what was he doing the other days? You know, he was always preaching to anyone who would listen, but he was working, and he was a uh, you know. Uh, so we worked with leather and uh, and with, you know, animal fur that became tents and stuff like that. And uh, kind of a handy trade if you want to start doing revivals, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could bring your <laughs> own tent. We need a tent. I got it. Give me a few days. <laughs> yeah. 
but you listen, and you're right. This was all orchestrated by God, and uh, and He meets with them. Now, one of the thing, one of my understandings is in the synagogues. You know, obviously there was the the Jews in the synagogues, but they always had a section for the God fearers, which were the non Jews who probably hadn't you know, converted all the way to Judaism. That's why there was always some Greek or something in the synagogues, but they had a separate section. But even inside where where the Jews would sit, they would sit uh, men on one side, women on the other side, <coughs> excuse me, but also by trade. So if you were like a construction worker, you would sit, uh, carpenters would all sit together. And so tent makers would have their own little section here. And, uh, so, you know, it's likely that Paul got to meet uh, Killa and Priscilla because he was just at, sat next to them. Yeah. Divine appointment. Oh, this cold just will not let go. I apologize for my coughing. But so then it goes back and, you know, just like uh, everywhere Paul goes, he becomes what is necessary for that area. And again, and Paul was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down, so now his friends come to see him, right? And Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But then what happens? Well, real, real quick on that. Yep. It's neat. So Paul, when he first went there, he was working six days a week and preaching on the Sabbath. And then when Silas and Timothy, they... It, it, it seems to me that they started to work so that he could focus solely on preaching. So when they came, they were his support. And they said, you go preach, we'll take care of, of, of the financial needs. So they were the, they allowed him the freedom to go full time. Yeah, that's interesting. And I was always wondering if, if they had brought some kind of a gift that allowed him to do that. Uh, but it really doesn't say mm -hmm. Um, so I, I appreciate yeah. your point of view that they probably they probably did do that. You're right. But the Jews resisted and blasphemed. So what does Paul do? And Jesus taught this. He shook out his garments and said to them, your blood is on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. What a statement. Yeah, and that's exactly what Jesus did in Luke 9, starting at verse 1. He says, And Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither a staff nor a bag nor bread nor money, and do not even have two, tun two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And as for those who do not receive you, as you go out from that city, shake off the dust of your feet as a testimony against them. Yeah, because you don't want to bring anything unclean to where you're going with you. And it was a real statement of, uh, of disgrace. But have, have you ever done that? Have, no. have you ever done no, that, Eric? No. I actually uh, have. I actually have. Oh, wow, cool. I have walked away and literally wiped the bottom of my shoes as I walk away. I've done it more than once. Wow. Mm. And, and by the way, the other person had no idea <laughs> what I was doing. Sure. <laughs> right? You know, yep. but it was just, uh, it was just, it was kind of a, a definitive statement, probably just to myself that uh, not, yeah. not going back there. And it's neat, too, because, because Paul wasn't one of the 12. Paul learned everything from Jesus directly during those three days after he met Jesus on the road. And then um, for years afterwards, when he was starting his ministry, um, you know, so, so it's neat to see that he was following the game plan that Christ taught his disciples. But he wasn't one of the disciples back then. So 
It, it's no. the continuity and the teaching. And just like the Great Commission was, you know, preach the gospel starting in Judea, then push it out to the rest of the world. Paul's following that same game plan. He goes somewhere, he's working, he's reaching out to the Jews. And then if they get to a point where they're like blaspheming, then he's like, okay, I tried. Your blood be on your own heads. Now I'm just going to go to the Gentiles. You had your chance. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you bring up the point that he wasn't one of the 12. And, you know, they spent a lot of time with Jesus, obviously, you know, years. And then and then the 120 days after. But Paul probably knew the scriptures better than any of them. He, he was a Jew of Jews, a rabbi of rabbis, right? So, you know, and then, you know, he just had to put in the final piece. Oh, the scripture is fulfilled by this guy who I met. <coughs> so very, very interesting. So then he left the synagogue and I, went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God who was next door to the synagogue. Now, Crispus was the leader of the synagogue and believed in the Lord uh, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, as they listened to Paul, they were believing and being baptized. That I love that because Paul says, that's it. I'm leaving. He goes next door. <laughs> he goes one <laughs> I never really looked at it that way. But you're right. Yeah, didn't go far. I'm going to the Gentiles. Oh, here's one. All of a sudden. Yeah, and it was neat too because even though he did that, not not all the Jews didn't believe and resist and blaspheme because even the head of that synagogue and his whole household they believed and they and along with all of his household. So it wasn't against all the Jews. It was just against the ones that had heard and decided to resist. But but some of them did didn't. Then I, I find it really interesting when we get into verse 9. And the Lord mm -hmm. said to Paul by a vision at night, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many people in this city. Now, so far, Paul seems pretty fearless. You know, he goes and gets beaten up and thrown in jail everywhere. But all of a sudden, he's afraid. Yeah. This is really interesting to me. Because the Lord wouldn't yeah. say to him, do not be afraid any longer if he wasn't afraid. Yeah. So what happened to make him afraid here? Hmm. Well, if we look wow, at his well, previous, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. <clears throat> well, if we look at his previous ones, you know, um, you know, he he his journey has not been wildly successful so far. You know, he, he gets sent to a town. He gets you know a few women by uh, by the river. <laughs> One gets saved. You know, a few people here, a few people there. And he's paying this incredible cost. Like, listen, the guy gets stoned. He gets dragged out of town. He gets thrown in jail. He gets beat up by the guards, you know? <coughs> and it's like, man, what a price he has to pay. But yet the Lord says, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many people in this city. Now, does that mean that this was a Christian city? I, yeah, I don't know. So um, here's what I, is... here's what I think. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So I don't think it was a Christian city. It was a city filled with prostitution and, you know, it was kind of vile. But it's those who need the Lord most that are most receptive to the Lord. And I think that the Lord is telling him prophetically here, no, no, you're going to have some success here. Don't worry. 
this is this is going to be a good city for you. You can rest here for a while, and you're yeah. going to start to see success. And he did because he settled there for uh, a year and six months. You know where the other times he's you know walking out of a synagogue brushing the dust off his shoes. Yeah, it's neat because it Jesus when Jesus did now it's important to note too. Um, you know we have the word of God and there's promises therein and precepts that we can follow, but there's also the importance of um, of, of following the Lord's leading. Um, cause you know, there's a time, you know, like Ecclesiastes said, there's a time for everything. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace and, you know, timing is important. And, and if, if, if Jesus didn't have a lot of people in that city and it would have been dangerous for, for Paul to go gung ho and he did it anyways, because, well, last time I did it and it was okay. That could have been, uh, not good consequences, you know, um, not that Paul would have cared, you know, he didn't care if he got beat up for, for Christ. Um, but yeah, Jesus went out of his way to say, go for it here. And he was there for a year and a half. I mean, think that that's a long time, you know, 18 months being there. And, and as Jeff said at the beginning, I would encourage you to re go read, uh, first and second Corinthians, because these are let, these are letters Paul wrote to these people that he planted this church in. And we're kind of getting the backstory of how he got there, how long he was there, what were some of the issues that started there and the circumstances? And then when you read Corinthians, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's teaching the word of God among them. But while Gallio was proconsul of Archaea, the Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat. <coughs> So here we go again, but the Lord made a promise, didn't he? Yes. So yeah, I when love, Paul, I love was, how Paul was about to open his mouth and get ready to, you know, defend himself again in front of a judgment seat being brought up charges by the Jews and he didn't even get the same thing. No, because Gallio because... himself just jumped in. He says, "Like, hey guys, if this was a matter of wrongdoing or a vicious crime, oh Jews, it would be reasonable." And this is the verbiage here: "It would be reasonable for me to put up with you." Um, but if there are questions about the words and names in your own law, look after it yourselves. I am unwilling to be a judge of these matters. So they, you know, the ones that resisted and the ones he shook off the dust of his feet towards, they thought now's our chance to get them. Um, did you have anything else on that? No, no, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, again, it's preordained and God just moved on this man's heart and said, you guys deal with it. Why do I need to? That, so they're so, frustrated. So all the Jews. So Sothenes, who was the leader of the synagogue at that time, he's the one that brought all the Jews that came with him to accuse Paul in front of the judgment seat. And they basically got shut down. And then in verse 17, this it's it's sad, but it's kind of cracks me up at the same time. It says, and they all took a hold of Sothenes, the leader of the synagogue, and they began beating him in front of the judgment seat because they got so humiliated, they turned on him. He's the guy that set it up and he and he thought they would get a good judgment and they didn't. So Galley was just sitting there, he's like, I didn't care, go ahead, beat him up. And it just goes to show you. <coughs> oh, excuse me. This is terrible. These people just wanted blood. You know, they, they wanted to see someone get was going to get a beaten. And is yeah. society much different today? I don't think so. Not really? Yeah. I don't think so. Like even, even us in this, uh, you know, this community who, you know, are very patriotic and, you know, we want to see judgment. We want to see people, you know, these terrible people who have done terrible things to us over so many years dragged through the street, you know, uh, and we want judgment to be just. It's, yep, it's interesting. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, do, but 
if it actually was to happen, is that something we really wanted to see? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Can can I can I back up and and, and address something we we had just skipped over? Yes. So last last night when you asked me if I do this today, I I jumped in and I read both of the Corinthians, you know, first and second Corinthians, and I was flagging a couple of things and. In 2 Corinthians 11, 8, um, Paul, uh, Paul says, I robbed other churches by taking rages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. So I think I think you're right, because didn't they come? Didn't Timothy come from Macedonia, I believe? So. Paul, even though, um, let me uh, let me pull this up real quick. So, when Jesus, I read when Jesus sent out the twelve, but in Luke ten, he sent out the seventy-two, and he, he had the very same game plan with it. But he says, "If a man of peace is there with you, let it rest on him. But if not, I'll return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house." So. So there's the biblical standard that if someone is doing ministry, it is okay for them to be supported by the people that they're ministering to. But Paul in the Corinthians, I think because he loved them so much, he even though he started out in tent making, he was supported by the other churches so as not to be a burden to them. He 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 never took from them. Not that he, he and he addresses it in the books of Corinthians. He could have asked them to support him. But he didn't want to. He wanted to be there, you know, completely without any potentially ulterior motives or accusations of, you know, oh, you're just doing this for the money. No, he was there and he was he was preaching the word of God because the other churches were supporting him. He had a support line and it gave him the freedom to to just go for it. You know, this is a guy sold out for the mission, honestly. When you yeah. think about that, he didn't want anything to be a hindrance to him preaching Christ and that, and I, and honestly, I, I pray for us that we get that desperation for souls that Paul had. And even more so now folks, um, eternity is a long time and, uh, we don't want one to perish, you know, not one. Uh, so we really need to get this and, you know, even, uh, this actually goes back to your sermon last night. You know, we almost want to uh, make sure that nothing gets in the way of uh, of witnessing to someone. Um, you don't want to take your liberty where it's a, a stumbling block for that other person. And let me think- read from 2 Corinthians 12, 14 real quick. Oh, wait. Paul says, here for the third this third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you. This is later. He's going to come to visit him a third time. For I do not seek what is yours, but you. For children are not responsible to save but for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved yet? Be that as it may, I did not burden myself. Nevertheless, crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. Certainly I have not taken advantage of you through any of those whom I have sent you, have I? I urged Titus to go, and I sent the brother with him. Titus did not take advantage of you, did he? Did we not conduct ourselves in the same spirit and walk in the same steps? All this time you have been thinking that we were defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ, all and all for your upbuilding, beloved. So Amen. even years later, he still said, I would, I would, I would spend myself for you. Yeah. So then they came to Ephesus and he left them there and he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay for a longer time, so here he's reasoned with them. They're going to, okay, you know, Paul, this is good stuff, man. Can you stay with us a little while longer? And he didn't consent, but he took leave of them and said, I'll return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. So why wouldn't he stay when he's being received here? Hmm. Well, it's interesting. Um, 
Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila go with him, but when he leaves Ephesus, they stay behind. Um, and it could have to do with it says in Centria he had his hair cut for he was keeping a vow. Um, and there's some insight into that might be why. So what was that, that vow? What was that vow? Have you did you find it? Because I didn't. Yeah, so I so I, I did some look in some of the uh the commentaries and so I found this. So for he had a vow. A vow is a solemn promise made to God respecting anything. The use of vows is observable throughout the scripture, and it gives some examples. Um Moses made many realizations in regard to vows. A man might devote himself or his children to the Lord. He might devote any part of his time or property to his service. The vow, the vow they were required sacred to observe, except in circumstances, um, blah, blah, blah. So the most remarkable vow among the Jews was that of the Nazarite, by which a man made a solemn promise to God to abstain from wine and from all intoxicating liquors, to let the hair grow, not to enter any house polluted by having a dead body in it, or to attend any funeral. The vow generally lasted eight days, sometimes a month, sometimes during a definite period fixed by themselves, and sometimes during their whole lives. When the vow expired, the priest made an offering of a he lamb for a bird's offering, a she lamb for an expiratory sacrifice, and a ram for a peace offering. The priest then, or some other person, shaved the head of the Nazarite at the door of the tabernacle and burnt the hair on the fire of the altar. Those who made the vow out of Palestine and who could not come to the temple when the vow was expired contended themselves when observing the abstinence required by law and cutting off their hair where they were. So I think that Paul, he says, hey, you know, if, if, if I'm with the weak, I'll become weak to win some. If I'm with the Greeks, I'll be like a Greek to win some. So I think at some point in time, um, he made a vow to God um, probably to, to, you know, he's with some Jews and he was being a Jew and he says, I'll make that vow. You know, I wish we knew the details. Um, yeah. and so him cutting off his hair means he had fulfilled a vow of a length of time and he was going to go to the temple more than likely to complete that and do the sacrifices. Yeah. Really interesting because the Bible mentions it. So it's there for a reason, but, um, some things yeah. we just don't get all the details on. Just have to and, ask when uh, we get there. That's right. And so it's keeping some conversation for our eternity, which we're going to need conversation because apparently it's eternity. <laughs> yeah, a long time. So they asked him to stay for a longer time, but he did not consent to stay in the synagogue. But uh, don't forget, uh, Paul had just said, I'm not going to serve you Jews anymore. I'm just going to go to the Gentiles from now on. Could that be part of it? Possible. <clears throat> so he set sail for Ephesus, and when he landed in Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. So, you know, it's always back to Jerusalem and then out again. And this is where he begins his third missionary journey. So, and after spending some now, time there, he left them successfully yep. through the Galatian region of Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So, again, he's going back through these familiar places, and he's making sure his disciples are growing, and he's continuing to feed them. So, it wasn't just the, hey, you got saved, you're on your own. He continues to feed these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, once once he had set up church, set up churches and cities, I think every time on his journeys he would stop and stay a while. And and there's evidence too. So, you know, we only have two two letters to the Corinthians, but there are lots of letters because in the in in his letters he says now regarding the questions you wrote to me about. So they were sending letters to him saying, "Hey Paul, what do you think about this?" So, you know, he was there for a year and a half, planted a church went off somewhere else, something came up, they didn't know, so they sent him a letter, and then he would write back to them and address those questions. So there was probably a lot of correspondence going back and forth that we don't that we don't have access to anymore. So 
it's kind of amazing when you think about, you know, them sending letters and, you know, I, I think there's a biblical argument to be made that it's was even faster than the current U S mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, think about it, you know, so th there was a mailman like they, you know, Paul would send a letter and there had to be some guy who would, you know, truck, you know, make make a major haulage to deliver that letter. And then, uh, you know, he's about to turn around. No, no, stay for a minute. We're going to write back, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah. yeah so, so can in, you in imagine? Corinthians, so Paul's writing back. Wait, you what? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay, so so he was, he'd heard some things from other, from the Chloe's people, and then they asked him questions. So when he wrote his letter back, he was, he was responding to things he had heard questions they had written him and things that he was just, you know, giving them advice on. So first Corinthians seven, one, it says now concerning the things about which you wrote. So they asked him a question. It is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. And then he goes in there. So they, 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 I, it, it's, it's, it's so, so real. This is life, you know? You know, there are probably some people who say, hey, I'm better than you because I'm not going to get married. I'm going to be focused on Jesus. And, and then other people says, what? You should get married. And I, I could just see them arguing and debating and not being in agreement at all. So they had to punt the Paul and say, what do you say? You know, and so he's still, even when he's not there through letters, he's he's discipling the people that God put him yeah. on. So. And, and these were serious questions, right? You know, uh, yeah. particularly with what was going on in the day. And, you know, and Paul, you know, explains for me, it's better that I don't because I'm fully sold out for the Lord. Uh, but, you know, if listen, if you can't help yourself, get a wife. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's better. It's better than uh, the alternative. Right. Yep, absolutely. And of course, in uh, in Proverbs, it says a man who finds a good woman finds a good thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. So should we go to the first 24 now? Sure. Okay, so now, now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. So there's a lot of tidbits there that 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 are easy to not see. So he was he was born in Alexandria. He's a Jew, but he's named after Apollo, a Greek god. And there was a university in Alexandria. So he was raised a Jew and had all this knowledge of the scripture, but he was also a, a, a Greek university trained person. So he was this eloquent man. He came to Ephesus. He was mighty in the scriptures, and he's just starting to go for it. And, and he was doing good. But what this makes me wonder is, okay, how is it that there's so often, you know, that there's more than one time where there's people that had heard about John's baptism, but not Jesus's? So, like, it seems to me some of John's disciples must have been out, gone out and been preaching what John was preaching in yeah. the baptism of John. And it doesn't really mention it, but there's evidence of it. So there's places where Paul goes and they're like, oh, we, we, yeah, we've been baptized. We believe in Jesus. Well, who's baptism? Oh, John's baptism. He's like, oh, let me add to it, you know? Yeah. Um, so now yeah, you got to so, get baptized so again. And that's the only example yeah. of being baptized again in the Bible. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and this is, I think, uh, yeah, this, I think this is for, for some listening to this. So you, you got this picture of Apollos, right? He's a very educated, eloquent, powerful speaker. And he's out there and he's doing good work. He's doing God's work. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurate, more accurately. He was an educated man. They were tent makers. And yet God used them to add to him what was lacking. 
And so I think sometimes it's easy for us to see someone up there, you know, oh, well, that guy's got a PhD and he went to seminary and he's got this big ministry and, you know, they're an authority. Well, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just a construction worker. I'm just a this or that, or I'm an Uber driver just trying to make ends meet, you know. Um, God can use you mightily. You know, so don't ever feel less than just let God use you. And in this in this example, Paulus was a really big, big, big deal. But God used a couple of tent makers, a husband and wife to um, not straighten him out, but but add to him what he was missing. So don't miss that. You, you know what? And in a practical sense, uh, literally this week I had and I won't mention the name, but I had someone uh, talk to me and. You know, because there's there was this great debate going on in our chat for the last uh, couple weeks about Adam and Eve and everything else, and uh, and I know you chimed in on it, Eric, and uh, and Kiwa was there, and you know a bunch of people were putting in their opinions, and someone said to me, "It's like I'm almost intimidated to put something in chat because we have these giants of scripture uh, debating this huge theological." Uh, thing and and I, I would say let this scripture be an example to you that uh, no it, you know simple little you uh, might have just gone in there and schooled all these people and you know just like when I give the story about when I was going to debate my pastor way back when and I had made sure I had every angle covered and then he just said to me as you get closer to Jesus these things will matter less and it completely struck me down. The most simple statement. And uh, it's not that you want to strike someone down, but don't be intimidated yeah. by people who know the scripture really well. Uh, jump in. I think uh, if would, in fact, I think if you jump in, uh, you're more apt to grow than, uh, you know, there's no negative consequence. No one's going to say, oh, well, you didn't study like I did. You know, it's not going to be like that. Yeah, uh, people are going to welcome yeah. you. Yeah, and, and God, because God, when you when you when you're in a walk with God and you spend time in His Scriptures, and you have the Holy Spirit, God's going to reveal things to you in in His Word that others have not heard before. And and I've 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 received lots of insights to others. Sometimes God has shown me things, and I've been blessed to be able to share those insights. But I've had tons of people share insights to me. And we all have blind spots and, and none of us has all the answers. So what, what God reveals to you, take it in and, and, and let it take root, but don't be afraid to share those insights too, because you never know when you sharing what God has shown you in a verse or, or about something there, it, you sharing that could be timely. I'll give an yeah. example. And this isn't even about scripture. We, I was at this ministry um, Kua mentioned it. It was cleansing streams and our group from our church. We were all in one group and there was ministry going on and there was times of worship and ministry and worship ministry. And um, two rows up from us, there was a woman in our group. And I just felt like God compelled me. He's like, I'll go give her a hug. I'm like, okay. So I went up behind her and I just put my arms around her and I, and I just gave her a hug and held her for a minute and she started crying and, and, Later on, we after the event, we had got together in our discipleship groups, little home home study groups. She shared um, in the group, and she didn't she didn't say my name, but I knew it was. She's like, oh, she, someone said, what was the most important thing that happened to you? And for her, it was that she said that because she had um, often had uh, sexual relationships that were inappropriate for her being a Christian. Um, and, and, and it was, but she, but when I hugged her, she felt my whiskers on her cheek and she said that ministered to her because it wasn't a sexual thing. It was a man who just was giving her love and, and who would have thought a hug would have meant so much or why. And I didn't know any of her backstory. I didn't know anything of that. But, you you know, sometimes God will put those things on your heart and do them because you never know uh, how timely that might be. So, 
and and I'll just say this as a caution to any man who's listening to this, you better know that you're hearing from God before you do that because she kind of turned around with elbows and then, you know, kicked to the groin, (laughs) you know, and then, and and then some hero is going to jump in and see that, you know, it's like, it's going to have gone horribly wrong. Could have. Just like (laughs) if Paul, when, when Jesus told Paul, go for it, I got lots of people in this city. No one's going to hurt you. It's got to come from God. Sometimes if you do it and it's not God, uh, Make sure. And, and by the way, I, I have actually had things like that put on my heart and gone up and give given a stranger a hug and stuff like that. And I don't know if uh, if it had that same impact, but, uh, you know, that, that does happen. And sometimes that's all it takes. And they can feel the love from within you. Within you and it's a pure love. It's not, uh, it's not a sexual thing or anything like that. It's just really compassion and what we're called to do. Yep. Um, so, so Apollos, when he wanted to go across to Achaia or Asia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Did you know that uh, there's some theories, and and that's all they are because it can't be proven, that Apollos actually went on to write one of the books of the New Testament? Really? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, I believe, and this is just Bible commentary, folks. This is not... uh, yeah, but uh, there, there's some people who really think that uh, the letter to the Hebrews was written by Apollos. Ah, yeah, because we don't we don't know who we don't know for sure who wrote it. And it's a yeah, very, and it's not the style of Paul book. Yeah, no, and uh, so and it's yeah, it, Apollos being an eloquent man knew the scriptures, Alexandria University trained. Yeah. Very well could have been. So again, when we uh, when we get there, we can uh, certainly uh, ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, listen, this was wonderful having you here, Eric, for your Sunday morning debut. And one of the things I've been mentioning to kind of the inner circle at Right On Radio is that I wanted to, uh, just like we're doing on Saturday night sermons, to you know really start to do a rotation on Sunday morning as well. And, uh, and get more people involved. And uh, I think it just kind of keeps it fresh and keeping, you know, uh, getting different perspectives. Everyone brings out different, uh, you know, obviously Eric is very well studied and he's a great teacher. And uh, it was a pleasure to have you on with me this Sunday morning, Eric. My pleasure. And, and I would encourage everyone, um, go read. First Corinthians and then Second Corinthians, not necessarily back to back, but read it in one sitting. Just read through it because this was a letter Paul wrote, and it was and it was read when it got there, and yeah. you can start to see the dynamics. It mentions Priscilla and Aquila. It mentions Apollos, and you can see you can see in that in those books where the enemy came in and tried to mess up what Paul had done and what God had done through Paul. And you can see the fruit of that, and, and and Paul happened to address it, you know. And then he mentions that there's a guy that's like committing sexual immorality that's unheard of, and he's and he comes down hard on that guy. And then in Second Corinthians, he says, "Hey, the guy's repented now. Take him back in and love on him." And you can just yeah. see uh, an apostle's heart over the church that he planted and taking care of it and loving on the people and helping them grow and helping them recover from the enemy's attacks to try to come in and, and screw things up. So, you know what? I'm, I, I read the Bible very slowly when I read it. I really do chew on it as I, as I go through it, but I think I'm going to make the exception and just kind of uh, read, read the two books of Corinthians, as you suggested. I think it'll be a good exercise. So Hey, thank you, Eric, and thank you for being here at, at Right On Radio. Um, so remember, 
love your God, read Corinthians, <laughs> love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community. Blessings, everyone.